if somebody says you have like the perfect face for a podcast, do you think that's a compliment? I, well, I take everything as a compliment. Um, so I'd find a way to spin it to my favor. Do you think that helps for building self-growth and advancement? Helps for self-esteem. <laughs> helps for self-esteem. <laughs> yeah. It probably, I should, I could do that too. It might lower my bar tabs. So I'm not sure what we're going to talk about Charles today, but I thought um, I could read a chapter in the book. Does that make a good podcast? I don't even want to, I mean, I don't even want to listen to that. We're going to read to them like, like a, like a children's book. Is that a bad idea? Something like that. I think all it's right. a bad idea. I mean, all they, right, they've mind. all, <clears throat> pardon me. They've all bought the book. That's and so fair enough. they don't, they don't need anyone to read it to them. Um, okay. Are, every one of our listeners are very educated people. Um, so they can handle this. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, people say I have a really um, delightful voice. So just trying to give people what they want, you know. Again, yeah, I understand. Delightful. Yes. It's, of course, delightful. You know, you could, anyway, we'll, we'll, let, let's move on. Okay. So we're okay. talking about goals today. And I think the first thing, you know, we want to dive into is thinking about motivation. You know, motivation and goals go hand in hand, right? And, you know, at, at a very basic level, we think about motivation as this desire to change. It can be a desire to change our environment, something around us, or a desire to change something about us or something within us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Motivation is, it's really key. And, um, and you know this too, but we'll just talk about it for our listeners. But, you know, in order for someone to change, you have to have a really high level of motivation. It's got to be something you really, really want because we're wired to just keep things the way they are. Um, and so all the research in psychology has found that three conditions are necessary for that motivation to take action. You have to feel that it's important. So it's, you have to have a real clear vision about why this matters to you. And if it's low in importance, there's going to be low motivation to make it happen. Uh, you also have to have the confidence that you can tackle this problem. You got to feel like you got the resources to make it happen. And if that's low, your motivation is going to be low which makes sense. And then ultimately you just have to be ready. So the timing has to be in place. It's like, you can be, you can feel like it's important. You can have the confidence to do it. You're just not ready to do it. And so I think as financial planners, when we're looking to enhance somebody's motivation, it's trying to increase, well, basically assessing where people are on those three levers and then trying to increase the ones in which they're low. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think about that idea of like that ability, you know, that, seeing ability to, to change it, that you can, you know, that you can have some impact on change, you know, and the idea of like financial self-efficacy, people talk about it and researchers talk about it. When we meet with advisors and we use that term, they <clears throat> sometimes look at us like, okay, academics, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? And, but I think what's, what we don't talk about enough is how we can build that financial self-efficacy, how we can build individuals' perception of their ability. And I always think about it from the perspective of my analogy always is, and I think I put this in the book, is that it's like that, that spotter at the gym who's telling, you know, you can do this, you can do this. It comes through feedback, regular feedback and shorter goals and things like that. And so it's a really important piece for advisors to build that self financial self-efficacy, particularly as we think about, you know, couples and there's a divorce or there's a death in that couple. 
and the one member of the of the couple has the high is the you know household CFO, and they have all this financial self efficacy, and then suddenly there's a divorce. You may not be able to keep that client if you haven't really you know built that 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 perception, financial self efficacy, that perception of their ability to see their financial outcomes or have an impact on them. Yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity that many financial planners are embracing, and it's certainly. Um, really important for somebody who doesn't, like you said, have that sense of self-confidence, self-efficacy around the financial matters. I think we really miss the boat in, in our ability to help families when we're not paying attention to that because so much of what we can offer clients is educational in nature. We really want to increase their sense of confidence, you know, around market volatility, around, um, you know, am, am I taking the steps I, I need to take to meet my goals? So it's a huge missed opportunity for many of us. And it's really exciting to see the field shifting towards that um, educational model and and supporting people in that area. Well, I mean, that idea of like locus of control is really powerful, right? Like thinking about specifically, so you have, you know, internal locus of control and external locus of control. And essentially internal is I, I can... <clears throat> you know, what we were just talking about. I have the ability and the wherewithal to impact my outcome. External is, <clears throat> pardon me, I don't have COVID and we're not in the same place. So I'm not going to give that COVID or my, I don't have COVID, but my cold or cooties or whatever I have. But anyway, external is, is it's the, it's the outside factors, right? It's outside forces that are going to some, somehow impact it. Well, I don't, you know, a client could say, well, I don't know if I'm going to reach this goal. We'll just have to see what happens, you know, as opposed to somebody the client who has internal who says, you know what, I can get there, right? And 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 again, kind of tying this all back together, um, an advisor can help with that. An advisor can say, yes, we can do this. We could do have smaller, shorter goals with shorter time horizons, and help build that. Um, and I always think about, I guess, where I started with this is, you know, the nursing home study that I wrote about in the book is that there were two sets of nursing home residents, and one set had this, they had control over where they put their furniture. They had control over whether they had a plant or not to care for. And even when they ate and the other group didn't, they were told, here's where your furniture is going to go. Here's when you're going to eat. You, you, no decisions were made for them. And they did, you know, they did, uh, I believe it was 18 months. And what they found was the group that had some control over their environment, they lived longer, they had less health issues, and they were happier because they had that, you know, that control over their environment. And these are little things we're talking about here, you know, where your furniture goes, right? But, you know, we understand the issues associated with, with nursing homes and whatnot, but having that little bit of control can have a major impact on, on people's overall well-being. Yeah, locus control is is probably one of my favorite psychological concepts. Like I do a lot on social media, as you know, and and a lot oh, of what I'm really social media to do. just is. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, it's just everywhere. So, oh, I mean, <laughs> he's everywhere. If you don't know that already, you know, I yeah. Well, and if you run across me on certain platforms, you're going to be like, wait, what is he doing? <laughs> um, and really, what I'm trying to do, quite honestly, is try to have an impact on um, you know younger younger people. Uh, who may have an external locus of control. So a lot of my content is really focused on trying to foster that internal locus of control because it is so incredibly important. One of the studies that um, I did a few years back, it was a significant difference between ultra high net worth and middle-class individuals was this locus of control. Ultimately, the ultra high net worth individuals 
significantly more likely to attribute the outcomes they're getting in life to their actions or their inactions. Uh, it, it's, it's, that's the way to go through life. And, um, you know, my wife can attest to this. She loves it when I blame myself for the, any strife we're having in our relationship. And, um, it's actually incredibly empowering. Like you have to do it in a loving way, but if you look at every obstacle you're running into and, and by the way too, like, let, let me just be crystal clear. I think my wife is to blame for some of this stuff, um, in our relationship, but it is so incredibly helpful when I'm focusing on like, what is the 50% that I can change and shift? And what's so fascinating in work with couples, just as an example, if if I can change or if you can get someone to change, make a change, it has a, a significant impact on the entire system. So someone else may even share, quote, more of the objective blame for the situation. But just by you changing your behavior, it shifts the behavior in other people. And so locus control, if there's one thing I could give my children it would be an internal locus of control. So it's something that um, I'm passionate about passing on to anyone I can can talk to. Yeah, I mean, blame you, yourself for everything, Charles. Well, I, I mean, I, I I do. I mean, most things go right, so I don't have an issue with having to blame. Right? You know, it's more of a credit thing. But we're going to talk about denial in a, in another <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's probably true. It's probably true. Um, so when we we come back, we're gonna we're gonna talk about well, we're not gonna leave, but we're gonna take a break here and talk about something else. We're gonna talk about we write about and the, the badge has nine things about goals. We're not gonna give you all nine. We we can't do that. We you but you you would you you want to go and, and be part of the badge in the book. We're gonna give you four um about goals for as an advisor, what you need to think about. Um so we have so it's been it's been really fun. You know, like we launched everything in October. And it's been like talking to, it seems like every firm, Brad, I mean, we're talking to like everybody, which has been a lot of fun. This week, we were two different firms, two very different business models. And, you know, it, it's fascinating, like um, the, the notion of you know, our work on getting the client to take action always comes up. I mean, it always comes up. It's like, it's it's not, it's number one. There's probably three or four, well, that's the workshops we've got or are the ones that we keep hearing about, but getting the client to take action is like, it's on everybody's mind. I, we, we were sending, you know, links to, you know, for attorneys to do estate plans and they're not doing anything or they disappear. They're not making decisions. Clients aren't making decisions and whatnot. So we're spending a lot of time on that. Um, but I guess related to that is if you go for the specialist badge and it's been great having the, having so many different advisors go through it already. We're two, how old are we now? Three months. We're three okay. months old. I don't know if you count the holidays. So we maybe we're less than that, right? Something like that. Something In like that, that range. Um, but if you go now to psychologyoffinancialplanning.com and enroll in the specialist badge and go to checkout and type in podcast, a special offer for our podcast listeners. Don't tell anyone else. Listeners, this is just for you. Do not share that code with anyone else. Yeah, don't don't tell anyone else. This is just it's just it's just podcast. us talking to you. They'll never uh, crack it either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you go to check out type in podcast, you get 20% off um the uh psychology financial planning uh specialist badge. You can check out on psychologyfinancialplanning.com, check out all the other stuff that we're that we're doing there, the workshops and the just all kinds of stuff. Did I miss anything, Brad, as far as what we're doing? I think you got it. Okay. So, so go to podcast psychology, So four things 
Um, so I'm going to start with the first one. Maybe we'll, we'll alternate back and forth. I think forth. you should start with all four because you have them written down in front of you and I don't. You at least have to cue me. Well, I mean, somebody right. had to do the outline for this. Like I said, I mean, I'm going to go back to reading. the. I'll read the chapter. Read the chapter. Read the, the book, story time with clients. <laughs> so, so the four, I think, that are the most, we're giving you four of the most powerful, I think. And the first one is really, you know, cueing the client and giving them prompts. You know, when you think about, I always think about it and maybe Brad, I'm thinking about it in, in grander terms. And I, when I spoke mm -hmm. to a firm today I, or, or this week, I said the same thing was like, you know, people are inherently lonely right now. I mean, they are, they don't have people to really talk to. And, you know, there's different types of loneliness, even people that are in a couple and a family, they're lonely. And I think about that when it comes to this idea of cueing clients and prompts, because you as the advisor may be the only person that's really listening to them. And you may be the only person that's going to ask them about what their goals are, what their hopes are and whatnot. And so when you do that, if you just ask them out of the blue without giving any kind of prompt, you might get a half-baked goal, right? So, you know, being a little bit more specific about that, kind of setting the table relative to what that looks like, you know, different cues and prompts about, you know, talking about, okay, well, you know, what do you want to do in retirement? As opposed to saying, you know, what does a normal Wednesday look like in your retirement? What are you going to be doing? Who are you going to be with? What's that look like? What does happiness look like for you? So giving them prompts to kind of dive in and, and flesh that out. Yeah. So you're, so you're going to flesh, you're going to add more and then I'm, I'm going to add. do all four. Is that what we're going to okay, Yeah. You cool. set it up and then I'll, um, yeah. I'm glad you everybody gets to me so and, is... and I'll, and I'll score the touchdown. Isn't that <laughs> how it Everybody gets to everybody gets to be involved in the planning of these episodes. All right, um, and and you know, a big part of it too, like to your point, Charles, we don't really talk about much, you know, when it comes to money. Um, you know, we we feel ashamed about it. We're worried we're going to get judged. I was actually hanging out with my buddy Harry last week, and he and I were actually we got it 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 stood out for me because we were being so specific about sharing about our financial situation and our financial goals. And it really stuck out to me because I, in the midst of it, I was realizing this isn't a conversation I have with anybody, you know, yeah. and I don't think he talks about it very much either. And so, but by, by hearing what he was planning on doing and a lot of the actions he's taking, it, it sparked some ideas in my head. And that's where this cueing your clients around goals is really, really powerful because if you, if you, um, you know, we're running around in our own financial lives. You you go to a financial planner, they have a much broader perspective. And so as a financial planner, you know people just like me at my age and that are doing three or four other things that maybe I hadn't thought about. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the queuing is so incredibly important. So have you thought about education planning? Well, yes, I have. Well, have you thought about an account for a, a vacation? I hadn't really thought about that. You know, do you need another vehicle in the next five to 10 years? I hadn't thought about that. So the more queuing you can do, uh, you're, you're providing a benefit in, in multiple ways. And one of those ways is because we, I just don't know what other people like me should be doing or what they are doing. And just by hearing, um, you know, queuing your clients around goals, they're going to set more goals basically. Which gets into the kind of the second one relative to setting more goals, right? That that's, you know, and, and everyone talks about wanting to have stickier clients, right? You want to have stickier clients. You want to, you want, you want them to be hot and engaged with you, and and whatnot. Setting more goals means they're more involved. You, you know, obviously you get into things like wallet share and AUM and all that, but setting more goals is just gonna it's just gonna help the help the business side of what you're doing. Right. And and the more goals you set, the more money you will set aside 
to achieve those goals. And so if one of our goals is to increase overall financial health, help people increase their net worth, you know, the, the more goals people have, the more money they're going to be setting aside for that. Um, and they'll just be much better off in the end. The third one, I think about this idea of having non-material goals. And I think about it, you know, there's lots of data on what we call, goes back to this idea of motivation. We have intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, right? So intrinsic, we tend to do things for the love of doing them more or less is kind of the definition. Extrinsic means usually it's money or it's prestigious, some sort of external force that is a, that is a kind of that. I guess that carrot for people to, to do what it is that they're doing. And there's lots of data on how you can actually break people's intrinsic motivation through extrinsic motivation. But for the purpose of what we're talking about here, having goals that are non-material, that are for the love of, you know, the client wanting to do something is really, really powerful and really, really important. So as you're thinking about goals and outlining some of these goals, make sure you have some in there that are intrinsically motivated. Are you taking your clothes off? And what are you doing? Sorry, sorry, I muted there. There's a, I'm in a shared office and there's some dog barking. Um, but I wanted to show you my shirt here. See, this experience is greater than stuff. Um, it's uh, trademarked, by the way, you can't have it. But um, it's, it's, it's one of the things I promote on social media. It's, it's all based on the science too, to your point. Like people who are more focused on materialistic goals, uh, tend to, I forgot all the the terrible financial outcomes and life outcomes. Their overall sense of well being is worse. Their financial health is worse, and it just makes sense, right? I mean, if you're if you're addicted to more stuff, is going to make you happier. We all know that's not the case, um, except with the exception of stuff that enhances your experiences. experiences and right. so, encouraging clients, of course, we're going to have materialistic goals. You want that car? You want that house? Of course, and there's nothing wrong with that, mm -mm. but. We, we're really recommending that you encourage clients and cue them to build in non-materialistic goals that are more focused on experience, more focused on relationship building to your point around happiness and loneliness. There's some really exciting research that's come out of Harvard over 70 years of studies that are founding, finding that, you know, your wellness in your eighties is predicted by the quality of your relationships in your fifties. Mm -hmm. And so it's really focusing on how can I use my money to enhance my experiences to have closer relationships. So make sure goals um, have that involved also. And it's it just having that diet is, is, is absolutely important. And so, so for those of you that you got to see the t-shirt, for those of you that are watching this on C-SPAN, I mean, you get to see the... Uh, <laughs> C-SPAN. That's like why you got to see us on YouTube. You're missing it's out. On YouTube. It's um, actually is on YouTube. It's taking not on... off my clothes. It's not on C-SPAN. <laughs> you might joke about C-SPAN that I heard somebody say this was, this is a little bit dated, but the joke is that, um, you know, for years and years, they couldn't find Osama bin Laden. They actually found him. He was hosting a show on C-SPAN from four <laughs> to five every day. That's where he oh, was. That's great. That's good. It's good stuff. Um, I, I, I finally, we, we've already kind of tied into this one too. These are, these are kind of connected, but the idea of specificity of our goals. And we kind of already, we've kind of already addressed that in number four, but being specific is, is much more powerful than, than general. And it could be even be like how you alter the names of accounts, right? Uh, and have them be kind of more intrinsic that it's not just education, but it's the name of your child or something like that. That's really going to drive that behavior a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and, and let's, let's not brush over this point, Charles, this is incredibly powerful. Did you think I, I was brushing have, it over? Did you I, think I don't I think was... you were giving it the, the, the levity that I would um, so I, I, can you see this here? No, I, I can't. Okay, just... here. Well, let me, there we go. All right. So 
this is how specific I've, I've gotten with my goals. And this is actually an example of a vision board that we used in some of our studies. And, you know, we saw people increase their savings rates by 73% by getting very, very specific and not just like, oh, I want to retire, but like, no, what, where is that? Who are you Mm -hmm. with? How does it feel? What are you doing every day? Uh, you know, I want to get a new car. Well, what kind of car is it? Like get specific. How would it feel? What does it look like? What's the color? And what we have found is that the more you can get a very clear vision, the more excited you're going to be about getting it. You're going to be able to override your impulse to consume now. Saving kind of goes against our biology, right? It's this future thing. We're just much more wired for today. And this is a way to sort of bridge that gap. So if I can get super excited today about those future financial goals then um, we can set things in motion and, and conquer them. Absolutely, and and so hopefully that that's helpful. Um, it is um, it's something that's on the mind of a lot of advisors and a lot of firms and how you're setting these goals because you want you want you want to have more assets under management. You want them to be stickier. You want them to be more engaged and all those different things and and how you go about goals, whether it's setting goals or maybe resetting goals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with existing clients can be really, really helpful. Well, and since we're talking to advisors too, I, you're, you're probably not going to have them do a vision board in your office, although that would be pretty cool. And they'd probably never leave you if you decided to do that. Um, but you might, you could do it verbally too. You mm-hmm. could say something like, you know, paint me a picture of your ideal you know, retirement. And so what you're wanting them to do is to get into that sort of like emotional, kinesthetic, visual, how does it feel? Who's there? Get them attached to the emotion. And you can do that conversationally and um, very, very powerful technique. So we gave you four. We actually gave you four and a half because I kind of got into the account naming. So I would say we gave you half for, although there are other things in the badge and whatnot that, um, you know, we didn't give away everything. We're, we're, we're kind of we kind of Brad likes to give everything away, and I I try to keep things back because we you know we you know there's a whole capitalist. It's an but issue, it's and an I issue. appreciate your help, Charles. I'm trying You're to help. helping me a lot. Trying to help, trying to help him out. I should mention that the uh, uh, the Psychology of Financial Planning podcast produ- is produced. The audio producer for that is Tim Dolbear, and you can get the Psychology of Financial Planning podcast everywhere on Apple. Um, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you get it on Apple. We hope that you'll leave us a review. We've got a lot of downloads and we know we haven't been doing what I, I did one in November, but we haven't been doing a lot, but it's great to we're connecting with thousands of advisors on this podcast. And we're happy to, um, happy to connect with you all, uh, on this episode, psychology of you know, Brad and I are going on the road here a little bit, but you know, it's cold here in New York. And I know you told me you were in your hot tub and it was five degrees in Colorado. We haven't gotten any invites to firms in warm places this winter, Brad. What's up with that? I don't know. Maybe they're, they, uh, they're, they're all fine there. They're not feeling the need for something more. They're just living their best life. I don't know, Charles. Maybe we should do like, what's our ideal, maybe we should do be specific about our goals. What's our ideal workshop location? location? <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Take care.